First question, what does it mean to be a host? Let's say you are hosting something. What does it mean to be a host? If you're going to be a host, what does that mean for you? What would you say? What does it mean to be a host? Be welcoming. Be welcoming. All right, what else? Depends on the company, it could be stressful. Could be stressful, yes, okay. Hosting, what's it like to host? Being prepared. Being prepared for your guests. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. okay. Reasonably. That's a key word, I think. Reasonably. Tidy and clean, and the food is fresh. Okay, yes, fair enough. Anything else? What, does it, what else does it mean to be a host? Serve. To serve your guests. Yeah. And if you went to an event where somebody else was hosting and they were an outstanding host, what would you have experienced from them? You think that, that that was a brilliant host, hostess, <clears throat> whatever, you know, just that they did a brilliant job hosting this event, this that I was at. What, what would be, what would you notice that was outst that outstanding that they did? That they thought about you and the things that you, you need and like and want. Those that you want, not just the general group perhaps, but on a personal level. Right, yeah, okay. Warm welcome. Makes a big difference. Attention to details. Attention to details. Okay, anything else? Um, introduction to the other guests. Okay. Right, especially you don't feel like a lemon. So especially if you don't know so many other people there, <clears throat> your guest take your host takes the time to introduce you to other people there. Anything else? Outstanding hosting. Plenty of refreshments. Yeah. Like you don't, it's almost like before you think of something, they it's already been taken care of by all the ingredients. They filled up your glass. It's like a concierge type thing. Concierge type thing. Your plate's always getting stuff, extra things being put on it. Anything else? host accepts some help yeah. so that they can be connected to their guests rather than running around doing everything. That yeah, makes a big difference. Like <laughs> uh, last week, we, thank you for all those thoughts. And I think we can all imagine what this is like. We've all been in situations where we've been at an event where it was catered for by the host or hostess in a, in a tremendous way. Perhaps we ourselves have had the opportunity to be uh, a host or hostess that really made people feel special and loved and uh, and it was a great event. I think um, connecting to what we talked about last week, last week we talked about the cross is the altar, the Lord's Supper is where we sit around the table. So in the Old Covenant the altar was where you not only had the sacrifices but you were around that altar table. But now in Christendom the altar and the table are different objects, they're in different places. 
So the altar is for us, the cross, where Christ was sacrificed for us. But then what we have is not an altar. Now, of course, many church buildings have what they call an altar. It actually, it's the cross that's the altar. It's not, a, it's not a table. The table is the table of fellowship. Because that's what Jesus talked about with the Lord's Supper. An altar needs a priest. But we have a great high priest who is Jesus. An altar needs a priest, but a table doesn't need a priest. A table needs a host. And so what we're talking about today is about what it means to, to be a host. Think about John chapter 13 when Jesus uh, hosted what's called the Last Supper. What did Jesus do at that supper in John 13? Many of us will know. What did he actually do at that time when they gathered in the upper room? Some of the things that he did. What did he do? He gave thanks for the bread and for the wine. Yeah? What else did he do? Wash the feet of his guests. Now that's some radical hosting, isn't it? Washing their feet himself. Okay, what else did he do? Some other things he did. In that upper room. He gave them instructions on what they should do when, when they leave. Okay, so some teaching, some instruction, yeah? Yeah. To help them with what comes next because it was going to be challenging for them, amongst other things. Yeah. What else did he do in John 13? Anything else? <laughs> yeah, 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 he had to deal with his betrayer, yes. He, um, uh, he ate with them. He, in fact, organized it. I mean, he delegated the organizing. That goes back to your point, Lisa, about, about the host not running around like a headless chicken. But Jesus had prepared the location beforehand, remember? He sent his disciples ahead to organize it, but he'd already organized the, the place where it was going to be. So he'd done some organizing. Presumably he'd organized somebody to supply the food. He sat with his disciples. He washed their feet. He ate with them. He prayed. He led the meal because it was a Passover meal. So he led that and he talked about what was going on and what was going to happen next. Like you say, Barry, he operated there as a host and as a servant host. He, he was the one who made it what it was going to be, that event. He made it memorable, of course, for them. That's one of the reasons we have it uh, written down. Let me ask you this question. Think about that event in the upper room. Who was the most surprising guest at that meal? Of all the people at that meal, who, in a sense, was the most surprising guest? The one you might not expect to be there. No, not Judas. Yeah, Judas. Yeah. Judas. This is his last meal with his disciples. You wouldn't want to have Judas there, would you? Because especially as the host, knowing what he's going to do, isn't he going to mess up your evening, your, you know, your time with your best friends? You don't want your betrayer there. Isn't there something wonderfully symbolic about the fact that, G that Judas was a, was a cherished guest at that Last Supper? I think that symbolizes in many ways uh, our own situation in that none of us deserve to be at this meal. None of us deserve to have the right to take the bread and the wine. And yet we're cherished. You and I have 
hurt God so many times before we were Christians and after. We don't deserve to be hosted by Jesus. We don't deserve to be loved by him in, in this way. But think about it. It's in the nature of Jesus to be this kind of host that hosts people who don't deserve to be hosted. Think about his whole life through the Gospels. How many times the Pharisees complained about who he ate with, even when he was eating with Pharisees. Think about how many times he's with people that others wouldn't have eaten with, uh, the, the so-called sinners, the tax collectors and, and women of low repute or whatever. Time and time again through his life, even with a Gentile uh, crawling around under his table, picking up the crumbs, these were the people nobody else would eat with, but he was glad to eat with and host. And he does the same for you and me today. He's our host. He looks after us at this meal. In Luke 22, you referred to this, uh, Leslie. In Luke 22, after the supper, he took the cup, sorry, he took the bread first, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. So he's being the host here, passing out the bread, making sure everybody's got some. And he gave it saying, this is my body. So I'm this kind of host. I'm giving you my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And he does the same thing with the cup after the supper. The cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you. And he says in the middle of that, do this in remembrance of me. And I suspect there's two things he's thinking about as he says, do this. One is the actual supper and that we're taking bread and wine today as a result of that. Do this in remembrance of me. But I also wonder if there was a secondary uh, meaning there, as in eat together with me as a host, together with people who don't deserve to be here. If I'm prepared to host Judas, you need to be prepared to welcome anybody I put in your life, anybody that God puts in your life. One of the powerful things about taking communion is to recognize that we are all the body of Christ and we accept each other, no matter whether we like each other, get along all the time, agree on everything, whatever our differences, this is what brings us together. It is Jesus hosting this meal. It also is a challenge to me and to all of us to say, are we willing to host other people into our lives? Not just this gathering, but are we willing to accept those who the society would reject? Are we willing to accept those who think differently to us, uh, act differently to us, have different values, hosting them like Jesus would? And I think this hopefully is the inspiration. This Jesus with us right now, he is with us. In a sense, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking, but I'm not hosting this. Jesus is hosting this. And as he hosts us, then let's be inspired by that to go and host everybody else that we can, to bring them into this kind of hosting situation where they can find the love of Jesus. So as we take the bread and wine, maybe let's reflect on how how this applies to our own personal life, our own situation, our own heart. How can I let Jesus host me and I can be that kind of host for other people? So would someone like to pray for us before we take bread and wine?